Hi guys and welcome to the Being Alive podcast, a weird weekly podcast from an even weirder boy. If you haven't already, make sure to check us out on Instagram at the underscore being underscore alive underscore podcast and make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. Hi guys and welcome to the second season of the Being Alive podcast. Um, Wow, it feels like amazing to be here after so long, after two months of not releasing content, to be bringing you guys the second season of the show. Um, And to kick the second season off, we decided to do it in the best way possible. Um, And I can't even believe that this episode is being recorded. So that's how much of a treat you guys are in for. Um, This week's guest, many of you might recognize um, from television. She's acted in a children's television show for quite a few years now. Um, Many of you will recognize her for playing the character Alicia Rahad on the CBB show, the four o'clock club known for her eccentric personality and amazing <laughs> wardrobe choices um yeah so it's the one and the only grace mcintosh ah oh, thank you what an introduction <laughs> so grace the first thing i want to sort of ask you about is you've been acting and you've been in in the industry for a while now yeah um yeah. So on the show, we have something that popped up in the first scene that we like to call the Ruka Salt moment. And, what, okay. and it comes from the character from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. So basically what the Ruka Salt moment is, is what was your sort of I want moment? What was the moment you realized, hey, this whole acting television thing, this is something that I'm actually, no, you're not just good at it. You're just, you're so amazing and so convincing. Uh-huh. At what point did you realize this is something that I'm interested in? And what point did you realize I'm very good at that? Oh, God, that's a really hard question. I mean, I've been doing, you know, I did amateur dramatics all through my childhood for about six years old. And I, I loved kind of the whole, um, you know, being on stage, uh, performing to people. I just realized that was kind of me. And uh, I never, ever, ever envisaged myself being on TV, you know, that was like, that was mega, you know, and I never thought I'd get to that stage, but I just thought, you know, just being on stage and how alive it makes you feel, you know, performing, entertaining other people, I was like, I want this and I want, I want to go further in it and, and just see where I can get to really. And, and that, I think that was my I want moment. For a really young age, I just knew that I just en- I enjoyed it so much and I thought, if I enjoy it, then you know, I want this to continue and go on and on and on and yeah, progress. So yeah, that was mine. Oh, that's nice. So you started off quite young. Um, So this is interesting. So when the Four O'Clock Club started, you joined, the show started in 2012, but you joined in season three. Season three, yeah, that was filmed in 2013. 2013. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's seven years you've been doing seven this Seven years ago. Seven yeah. years. <laughs> First episode titled Merger, episode three, season three. That's it, yeah. That's it. it. Um, So, could you talk us through, talk me through, well, (laughs) because I'm the only one here at the moment, but (laughs) what was sort of, um, what was the audition process like? How did you end up playing Alicia? What was the journey? Yeah, so the audition process actually was, well, I'll never forget my first audition. It was in the February half term of 2013. Um, and I remember my mum taking me to this like um, casting kind of office in Manchester and I remember, I'll never forget it, we went into this room and uh, there was like three casting directors and a camera facing us all and we basically, honestly, we just play games and I was like, if every audition's like this I'm going to come all the time (laughs) and um, yeah, so we just played games and I think really what they're trying to do is fish out you know, who's more bubbly, who's got a certain character to them. And, you know, I think that I think that's the point of that, just seeing how we interact with one another and um, how we respond to different tasks and games and things like that. So that was great. And then uh, 
like a few oh I don't know weeks or months I think it was like maybe a month later I got a call back um, and then that was where I had to learn some lines and come prepare the lines deliver them to camera uh, and then it just got it just up to level so then the next one I think I had a little bit more lines I think I did it in a pair with someone just to see you know our rapport and how we bounced off each other um, and then I'm just trying to remember my last audition I think it was probably about maybe two or three months from my first audition I think uh, and it was in Media City in Salford and uh, there was the producer there who at the time uh, called Spencer uh, and there was one of the directors at the time called John and the casting director it would it would have been Emma Stafford yeah she's our casting director and they were all there and um, yeah just had to deliver some lines uh, do a scene uh, with one of them reading it as a character <laughs> scary and uh, yeah it was a really that was a really surreal experience I, I knew it was coming towards the end there was less and less people in the waiting room thinking oh you know maybe I could get this uh so that was kind of the audition process really it was it started off really fun and easy and it got a little bit harder uh, and then when I got the part I was actually in school I was in primary school at the time <laughs> I was in year six and uh, I remember getting called to the uh school office like the reception and my one of the secretaries at my old school, Miss Swain, looked at me. And she was like, "Your mum's on the phone." She couldn't stop smiling. I thought, "What? What's this about?" And my mum just she couldn't help like she couldn't wait to tell me. She couldn't wait till I finished school, so she rang me while I was at school just to tell me. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. I know. I was. I, I couldn't tell anybody. So I had to go back to class. And everyone was like, "Oh, why? Why did you get called?" I was like, "Oh, nothing." <laughs> I just lied. <laughs> Yeah, that was when I found out and I just had this beaming smile. I remember I couldn't sort of smile. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to give you a phone call. I'm going to be filming. And that was just like, that was my I want moment coming, you know, to life really. Because this is what I wanted. And yeah, I, I found out that I got it. And I got this amazing opportunity uh, to be, you know, in the cast of a CBC show. And it was like, whoa, you know, as if, as if. <laughs> it wasn't real. Like a pinch me moment. Yeah. yeah. Really Sounds like a definite dream come true. Um, for reference, because you're 18 now, right? Is that is that correct? I am, yeah, I'm 18. Yeah. Great. So you would have started. See, this is what quarantine done, does to you. So you would have started the show when you were 11. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah I was 11. Haven't lost it. Um, <laughs> um, 11. So you you got into this industry quite quite young. Um, and during researching and preparing for this episode, um, one thing that I picked up on is that lots of, I think the show has had four generations of children. So there was first Josh, Josh's sort of group of, Crew, yeah. and then there was Nero, you, um, Fleur, that group. Then there's yeah. a group with Amber and Darnesh and the newest group is now on the show so yeah. obviously you all started quite young how is that every time you're introduced to you know the next generation of children for the show yeah yeah it, it was like um you know going from being the young ones to then being the older ones to then being the older older ones you know it's going up like that so obviously when we first came um you know khalil who played josh carter and uh, Shade who played agnes and tom who played ash everyone just took us under their wing um, and and just was really lovely to us like you know just you know they'd been the young ones but they've been the only ones so they knew you know with us coming you know to work with them they just took us under their wing and was so lovely and i always when i knew that we were getting younger cast i wanted to be the same you know with them sort of pass it on yeah exactly i mean danny <laughs> danny who played eli has this like word saying we need to give them the talk <laughs> <laughs> when they come in and it's just kind of just saying you know what it's like answering any of their questions any worries because we, we, we've done it really and and like just like you know Khalil and Leighton and Tom they've done it so they they just wanted to pass their advice on to us really and uh, yeah it's, it's a weird feeling every time a new cast comes in because you get so used to the way things are so when obviously 
we came in series three, we were so used to it just being us and then the, the older group. And then they left and we were on our own. And then uh, in series five, they introduced Amber, Danesh, and um, the Violet crew, kind of. Um, yeah. And, and that was cool as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Every time, every time it a new person comes, it um, it's a nice feeling. It's a really nice feeling. Yeah. So seven years on a show um i'm sure you must have had some amazing memories some really really good times um what for you do you think was sort of the best moment um that you've had in the creation of the show oh my gosh that's the hardest question ever i know (laughs) well this is because every year you know has new uh new good memories really it's hard to let me try and think of a really good <laughs> like one of my favorite favorite um well one of my favorite things to do is when we go on location because obviously a lot of it is set in the school of elsewhere which is great and it's really fun uh, because we know our surroundings we know what we're doing we're most comfortable when we're probably on set you know at a base which that's what we call it a base um, but when we go on location, that's really exciting because you you could be anywhere. We've been to swimming pools, cinemas, um, oh gosh, endless places. They've been to be, I didn't go, but they've been to museums, we went to a zombie paintballing experience thing. Oh, we've done all sorts. Uh, series six, episode three. So basically, it was Clem's last episode. Yeah. Uh, so that's the lovely Jada Lane, um, who's like a, a, a friend of mine. And it was kind of sad, actually, that she was leaving the show. Uh, very sad. And um, but one of the cool parts of that episode, the episode's called Karaoke. Oh, yeah. It was my, my character, Alicia's birthday. We went to, like, a karaoke bar. Um, so, well, like a karaoke place, you know, but uh, the uh, venue for this location was just epic. Like, it was, like, this big, like, karaoke place in Manchester. And it had, like, all cool lights and stages, all these little rooms and, like, little booths. And we just had, that was one of my favourite moments, just because we just laughed and we all like got to go up and sing different songs while they were filming. And while they weren't filming, we were still- Oh, I remember this episode. (laughs) Yeah, and it was just so cool. And obviously they cut them all together, but I remember there was Lewis, uh, who plays Owen, um, singing, what does the fox say? (laughs) All those random songs, but it was so good. And that was just like a proper moment where, you kind of didn't feel like you were working, you didn't feel like you were on set, you didn't feel like you were acting, you were just having fun and that's what your characters were doing. So, you know, we were so like aligned to our characters at that point, you know, because they were out having fun celebrating a birthday, we were out having fun uh, doing all this crazy karaoke. So that was just a really good, that was one of my favourite moments, I would say. Really good day that day. Mm. Um, so, obviously, I wouldn't be doing the show any justice if I didn't talk about this. So, Four O'Clock Club was created in 2012. Um, and one thing that we have to acknowledge is the amount of representation the show has done over the years oh, it's been on. Like, I think, like, I could talk about this for hours, but. <laughs> oh, I'm me, I'm me. Like, I think there's so much to talk about. So, for instance, this show is one was one of the first shows on television with um, a cast with a cast with members from all different types of ethnic minority backgrounds and groups. Um, it showed children from all types of families, children from divorced families, children from a variety of socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, it, it's tackled topics like sexism, growing up as a younger person, things like deciding whether or not you want to go to university. Um, the show has just talked about so, so, so much. And one thing, and one reason why I feel like the show just works um, and obviously there's representation stuff that I want to get onto later on the episode. But I think one of the reasons why I think the show works so, so, so well is that often when you have a children's television show or any, even an adult film um, and there is a show with representation, the show has to put that in its branding. However, with something like Four O'Clock Club, it just it's just a core part of the show's DNA. Um, and I think one of the reasons why it's so amazing is that lots of children and i think it's very important that children get to see themselves represented on the characters played on screen um and i think four o'clock club did such a wonderful job in doing that oh 100 i honestly couldn't agree with you more there 
Um, it obviously, so the show was created uh, by Doc Brown. He had huge involvement. Absolute legend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like Paul Rose and Doc Brown, and they both had massive involvement um, in, you know, the initial characters and um, the storylines, like you said, including all these different types of families that, you know, actually truly reflect the, you know, society we live in. There are families with, you know, separation, divorce. There are, um, you know, difficult, you know, situations, maybe not living with your parents, your parents living somewhere else or, you know, living on a top floor flat. That is people's lives. And it's nice to see that actually on TV, not just your typical mum, dad, brother, sister, living, you know, in a detached house somewhere on, on some random street, you know, this kind of like... Um, perfect suburban yeah. uh, setup. It's nice that I think 4 o'clock was refreshing because it does offer a huge representation for just different, like you said, ethnicities, different types of families, different, you know, family circumstances, different socioeconomic backgrounds. And I, I just love that. That is one of my favourite parts of the show. And um, yeah, diversity is, yeah, you can't talk about 4 o'clock without mentioning it. Yeah. It, it really does come hand in hand and it's been nice over the years to see that and I think that's what kind of made me that's always what's been my most proud thing about being in the in a show just with such diversity um you know on screen and behind the behind the screens because you know we've had um you know Asian directors we've had you know um Doc Brown being largely involved you know as a, a black man it, it's just excellent and I think um, it really was at the time when it when it came out in 2012 it was refreshing for CBBC to have something like that I really believe that it was uh, something new yeah. something different yeah definitely you know I'm glad that you used the word you know perfect in your description of what's typically on children's television um yeah. so there's a bit of story to this but i remember i was at an event um and there was this woman who was talking and she says when she was growing up as you know a young black girl um even going into um a bookshop um she, she you know she'd watch these television shows or she'd um go into these bookshops and all the people on screen all the people on the magazines or on the covers yeah. there was no one who looked like her or sounded like her or was anything like her and i think it's like you were saying you know the media especially and we and i think it's important that we're careful especially when people are crafting and working with children's media simply because you know, I think it's very important, not only for everyone, but children especially, to see people who are like them. And more importantly, yeah. I think the media does this thing where it creates perfect, idealised, not even people, caricatures of what human beings should aspire to be like. And I think, like, even to start off with Alicia, all of these characters are so multifaceted. They're not one-directional. Yeah. One-dimensional. They have... Directional. <laughs> they have so much grit. All of them have completely different and unique circumstances and characteristics that you can see in yourself and I think yes. and I think you know you can't and I think it's really sad nowadays obviously it's getting better but there's a there's a statistic I'll read it out to you I found this in research so in 1983 um, a Boston University professor um, conducted a um a survey in children's television um and he looked at 1100 characters and 20 popular children's television shows at the time and 42 of those characters were black that's that's equivalent to 0.038 percent and that was enough oh yeah that's awful and that was only in 1983 um yeah. and obviously we've made leaps and obviously as a society we're getting better but that the, the the standard of which we are working and operating at now isn't you know isn't that significantly better no yeah that wow that's eye-opening to hear actually because obviously that was when my mom and my aunties and uncles were watching television in the 80s and it's, it's sad just to hear how underrepresented they were on, on tv on, on the shows they were watching uh, eye-opening actually and, and it shows how far we've come but how far we've got to go and um, I, I mean I remember on my very last audition that I mentioned earlier when I was in Media City I actually remember in that waiting room uh, it just being 
young black girls mm. um, for, my, for my part of Alicia and I remember thinking right so they're going for a look they want to bring you know they want this character to be you know a young black girl and it's important that you know it's important to have obviously an open mind when thinking about characters but it's also important to make sure that yeah we need a, 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 a black girl or we need a mixed race boy or you know it's important to have these um definite decisions mm-hmm. so that you, so that you get diversity into programs and, and and you know you have these fabulous casts that are just mixed with all kind of different uh, ethnicities and, and races and, and I think that's really important yeah because you know at the end of the day if television isn't representing the people who it's for then you have a problem it's actually Absolutely. a massive problem going back on this topic of representation um so guys if you don't already follow grace mcintosh on instagram of course <laughs> do that um her handle is at grace mcintosh one um and you know when i research i <laughs> i have a look at everything i can find um okay and no 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 it's it's all good um and this oh, it's sorry, all good <laughs> Um, and if you don't follow her already, please do that. But if you do, um, and you've kept up with her stories for the past few weeks, um, it's clear that you're quite passionate about the whole Black Lives Matter movement and the representation and, and the discussions that are being had in television and film and the arts in general about that. Um, oh, and I think this again links quite nicely to the show because you know, you realize that there is no age where you can't start talking about making change or making change in society or in public policy or in the arts or the way we generally work. And I think what it is is that even the reason why, another reason why the show works so well is that it begins to have, or it begins to allow young children to be um, start thinking about the changes that need to be made in society. Um, and I think something like the Black Lives Matter movement, what you've seen is that, again, hand, hats off to social media for this. You've seen that there have been so many young people who are backing this movement up and it's just been so refreshing yeah. to see so many young people at the forefront of such an important conversation that that um, is being had. Absolutely. It's it's just amazing. I was like, I'm still, still overwhelmed that, you know, during you know a pandemic an awful pandemic people were still so passionate and willing to take to the streets and to you know make a difference and like you said young people are in my opinion fronting this whole movement um, and just you know we've had enough and it is our generation really that has you know the most um well what's the word the most the the, the the biggest ability to make a change it's for our futures and our children's futures and um well yeah i oh my gosh i support it with my whole heart and every cell in my being i just think it's such an important important message um that black lives do matter and when i see these horrendous killings you know not even just killings just just situations of injustice you know um you know well whether it's over the pond in America, whether it's here in our own country, and um, whether it's you know, you know, down the street, and I, I don't know if you've seen it on my Instagram, but I did um, share some information another the other week about my friend sadly um, being mm. screamed a racist slur, you know, in our in, in in our city where we live, and I just thought, oh my gosh, it's so it still exists, it still exists, and it's it's disgusting. But the only way we can make a change is speaking out. Um, you know, and, and and actively doing something about it. I think uh, I think it was Nelson Mandela that said, "Racism is an invention of the system," and yeah. it's so true. It, it only continues because you know the governments now, the governments before those governments allow it to. They they don't change it. They don't they don't actively put an end to it, and that's why it continues within society. So I just think you know the way to end this continuation and this you know this you know passing through generations because that's what's happened really you know mm-hmm. it, it, it's centuries old and and the way to end it is having in my opinion you know black people in positions of power that's important you know yeah to get these messages out there and, and to really really you know alter policy and alter you know that that's 
systemic racism that's bred deep within society. We've got to have those people there speaking on the behalf of us. Um, and yeah, we've got to have the young people getting on board and, and saying, no, we're fed up with this and we want change. And, and to link that to Forum Pop Club, obviously, it's really lovely that I think, um, you know, our generation have been able to watch a show that sees black people interact with white people and white people interact with black people and, and friendships between black people and white people and and just how they get on. And I don't think, uh, I mean, I really don't want to get this wrong, but I actually don't think on screen they've ever dealt with an incident of racism on Forum no. because that's not really um, the, the message they're trying to portray. It's not really... Um, about that sadly those things do happen in schools and it's disgusting but i think what it's showing children is that you know life can happen without any kind of uh, you know inequality racial inequality or kind of exploitation or prejudice in schools and, and black people and white people and asian people and, and and you know peers in school can just get along and have fun and, and do, get up to mischief and do silly things and i think showing them um, you know our generation that on screen is so important because like you said it, it reflects the society we live in you go to school and there is other ethnicities around you and it's you know interacting with them in the right way and not not at all you know having any racist malice towards someone that's you know not the same color as you it's just about you know accepting and celebrating each other's differences and i think that's what four o'clock club does really really well and um, without without making it into um a song and dance or a yeah. big issue, it just does it so naturally and organically, and that's what I love about it. So, switching gears a little bit, I want us to have a little chat about the character of Alicia. Um, because <laughs> we just, ha- I feel like we just have to talk about that. So, yeah, what definitely. is you've played her for seven years? Um, seven years, yeah. what is what is your approach? Because obviously, when we when we when we first met her, she was just um starting off in secondary school, I think. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's and it's and in the ninth series, she's um about to go off to uni she's in her last year of sixth form she's about to make that yeah. big change into growing up and becoming an adult what do you think what has been your approach you know with crafting and exploring a character like um alicia who's so fun and quirky and so so developed yes yeah oh wow um well i think initially um most actors will say something like this but it's like finding the similarities in yourself you know mm. linking my life to her life what experiences have we shared what you know emotions have we shared what you know scenarios have i had something experienced something similar and that helps you kind of um you know connects you as a person to the character you're portraying and i think that's really important we do have quite a few similarities i wouldn't say i'm a, a way with the fairy <laughs> and as ditzy and you know just gullible and naive as alicia is because she really is um but we do have those kind of she just sometimes she does have a really like sensitive moment and i, I she's a very honest character you know in every kind of situation she always wants to tell the truth uh nearly always <laughs> there, are, there are times she's I just thought about Nana Murphy then, uh, which is one of the episodes where her and Fleur tell Polly that uh, Nana Murphy's ill, and that's the reason, that's Fleur's grandma, the reason they can't go to this museum uh, trip with Polly. So she does have a moment where she likes to lie, but most, most, you know, and then I also thought about episode Flower, which is in series five, where um, they crush the flower, yeah, three girls crush the flower and all all Alicia wants to do is just tell the truth get out of this mess she doesn't want to exploit Mr Nunn she just wants to be honest and I I have that slice of honesty <laughs> I could I could be the Alicia and I can I can tell white lies but I am genuine generally a really honest person and I, I see that in both of us um but yeah well I, I, if you ask me about when we started crafting our characters one of the first things we did actually this is before we started filming. Um, I think it was probably about the week before we started filming uh, series three. So our first ever series, my first ever 
uh, professional like t- t- TV job. Um, same with Chloe, who plays Fleur. Uh, the other three, that's Danny, Akai, and Lewis, had had more experience uh, in TV. But what what jo- John did, he was um, our director at the time for the first block of that that series. Um, so he he produced the episodes such as Merger and yeah. things like that um, across country. So what he did with us was he like brought us into a room and we just had the day like talking about our characters talking about ourselves getting to know one another we'd never really properly spoken to each other um i think we'd met at the read through which was probably the day or two before this kind of workshop but this was our proper time to get to know one another and get to you know know our characters better because we, we're not actually playing them yet so what john made us do i, I hope i've got this somewhere I would have kept something like this, but what we did was we had to draw our <laughs> and obviously there's a lot of things that uh, we knew about them, so what what they would wear and everything. So we draw, drew our characters, and then on the outside we had what people see them as. So you know these things like Dixie and uh, gullible and probably quite uh, uneducated with Alicia. They think, well, she's just silly and she's stupid and all these things, but but also kind-hearted and caring and, you know, uh, honest and things like that. And then on the inside, I think we had to put, like, our characters sort of out her feelings and emotions towards things. So, you know, about starting new, at a new school, about making friends and everything like that. And I think that really helped us to flesh out where our characters are in their lives. And actually, with me and Chloe, our characters were at and are still at the same stage we are so we, the, we play the age that we are which has always been cool because like obviously the first series Alicia and the whole gang are starting secondary school and me and Chloe were starting secondary school that, that well, that's fun so we were yeah so we were kind of at the same stage again these last past series uh, our characters have been going off to you know uni interviews and getting fleshing out personal statements and that's exactly what we've always <laughs> been doing behind the scenes so we, we, we were really in tune with our characters because we're the same age as our characters. So it was getting that in there, really. Like, uh, you know, just just who she is, how she feels about different situations and how others see her. And I think when you think about those three elements, you can, uh, you, can you know, start playing this character and really start becoming Alicia. And I think that, that, that workshop really, really helped me, definitely. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not really No, no, no. It was just, it was just so informative because I feel like a lot of the time. No, and, I, and honestly, it's, 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 it's so good because I feel like a lot of the time, um, it's so easy for people to make assumptions of the characters that they see on television or um, what the finished product looks like without, you know, being fully informed or aware about what the creative process looks like. Because from what you've just described, it looks like you took quite a lot of time um, to figure out who she was, what she did, like every fiber of her being before you started um, playing her and you you clearly did your groundwork. Oh, definitely. I think but I think I just wanted to get it right. Would it be my first ever job as well? I just, I wanted to try <laughs> my best. You know, I was only 11, you know, 11 very young. But I just really wanted to try my best to, you know, portray Alicia in the way that, you know, the writers had, you know, wanted her to be portrayed really and that's that's what I tried my best to do and I always try my best to do every line she has I think about how would she say it how do I want the audience to respond to this is it a line for a laugh is it a line for a, you know a little emotional tear and I just think about you know you know how would Alicia say what would Alicia do you know and that's, that's what I try and try and do and as, and as the years went on that got easier because you know you became more comfortable with your character and you know like obviously last series we did I've been playing her for you know seven years that was my seventh year so I, you become much more comfortable as the years go on definitely so um switching gears once again um <laughs> so guys this is the second season so with the second season comes a new segment to the show um this is the first time this this segment is being recorded so this is new to me as well um and the team and i have only just planned this um recently (laughs) so i'm nervous as well so it's called myth busting corner um and how myth busting corner sort of works is that we're gonna talk about a few myths or debunk debunk a few 
stigmas that exist in your industry, which is child acting. So the first thing for Myth Busting Corner, the first point is um, a lot of the time people assume that you have to look or act a certain way to get involved in child acting or to play a character on screen. Is that true or false? And what's your experience with that? Look or act a certain way as in kind of... Um... So not specific to obviously a character because sometimes characters have specific requirements but to be involved with the industry in general you have to look and sound and have a certain personality. Oh, um, well I think, you know, you do need to be confident and out there because the audition process is pretty grueling and it's difficult and you're up against sometimes thousands of people that might... Um, you know, be in it and want it just the same amount as you are and are willing to put that work in. So I think um, look a certain way, not particularly. Um, that doesn't really matter. Like you said, obviously, some characters do have certain requirements, certain height, age, um, race, even sometimes. But um, I mean, I would consider myself such a normal person. I've grown up in a <laughs> normal life, normal kind of setting. I've not, you know, been to private school or been to. Uh, a huge London drama school. I don't have any famous, you know, relatives or anything like that. So I would say, you know, put your personality will carry, carry you through. If you're a confident, outgoing person um, and, and you get that across, you know, in your audition process, the casting directors will just love you and they'll just want to see more of you. Whether you get the part or not, they'll just want, oh, they'll think, oh, I remember that girl or I remember that young boy at that audition. So um, I think personality is huge. So uh, that myth is slightly true. Yeah, slightly true. I think you do need to um, come across in a, in a way that the, the, ca- the casting directors like. Yeah, definitely. Not cocky or or like um, you know conceited yeah. or anything like that. Just be supernatural. Definitely, they like natural, natural, normal kids. Um, yeah. Next up on the list for Myth Boss and Corner is um, sometimes people assume that the character is the same or has the same personality or is exactly the same as the actor and has that happened to you have people assumed have forgotten that you're grace mcintosh and have assumed that you're alicia in real life oh, <laughs> people, people sometimes come up to me they never say oh, alicia, you know like oh is that girl for a club club you know and i think maybe sometimes they uh, they because obviously you look the same as your character you look exactly the same so like uh you know, I, I can imagine if I saw someone, you know, from a soap opera or whatever, I'd be like, you know, oh my God, it's Peter Barlow. I wouldn't know his real name or anything. I would, you know, so I can see how uh, you kind of get um, paired into your characters. You kind of become one another. Uh, that does definitely happen. People think you are your character. Yeah, yeah, that's a true thing. Okay, so next up on the list is that um, sometimes you, oh, this is the second one. This is, ugh. I'm confused. <laughs> so sometimes people assume that you have to be a specific age to get involved with acting, and once you're past a certain point, you know, game's over. Oh, oh no, definitely not. Acting's for all kind of ages, really. And it's, you know, as soon as you feel like that's something you want to do, I think you know, getting in touch with agents and things like that. Uh, they take you know children from months old, if you think about it. You know lots of programs and films need babies call the midwife and they will you know yeah yeah exactly uh, we even had two babies on our cast when uh, Dexter and oh yes of course so you could you could class them as young actors yeah. really couldn't you baby actors um, so yeah oh no there's honestly no age limit to it no kind of um, I, I think you know your age is either going to work in your favour or not I mean they always say you have like a playing age so you know if you if you look slightly older then you can play things older if you look slightly younger then you can get away with playing you know a child ever <laughs> kind of thing but um yeah oh no I, I don't think there's ever a game over age I, I think it changes so for example now I'm 18 the roles that um come through for me aren't really kind of children's tv roles they're more you know serious dramas or or like adult comedies and things so um you know the, the, the type of things that you're suitable for do change slightly they can stay the same but um oh no there's definitely no game over age so that's that's a myth so <laughs> um next up and this is this is one that 
is surrounded by quite a bit of controversy because people have a lot of opinions on this one, which is that sometimes people assume that obviously being someone on television or being someone that people know, um, you're, you're like, you're always open. Um, and you're obviously it's nice to be always open, but some people assume that, um, your life and all aspects of it, because you're in the public eye should always be open and always be up for discussion. Yeah, I understand that one. I think, obviously, with starting on a, a children's TV show, I, I don't think I've, 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 you know, been thrown into the limelight as much as someone who's been on, you know, like, a, I don't know, a blockbuster film would be because, you know, you're really, really thrust into the eyes of much more, a much wider audience, whereas, obviously, our audience is yeah. children. And children don't tend to be as kind of... Um, you know, children really believe the character, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, they're concerned. I'm Alicia to them, and I don't think you know the children are as interested as you in your private life or anything like that. Um, but really, it's just uh, oh, that's a hard <laughs> one to answer, you know, because there is part of me that tries to keep part of my life private you know on instagram well i'm rubbish on instagram as it is i need to get so much better with my posting and everything i think <laughs> i exist sometimes but uh, and that's why i can take eight days to reply to things or whatever um but you know there are some things i choose to post and some things i just think no you know that's my life and my private life and uh yeah it's getting the, the, the right balance really but i am really as a person that's quite open and i discuss nearly anything really so uh yeah so yeah. last yeah. Yeah, you did, 100%. Uh, so last up on the list is that acting is a relatively easy job. Um, Sorry, last up on the list is Sorry. that sometimes people assume that acting is a relatively easy job or career. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, sorry, that, that, that's true. People think, oh, you know, they're only an actor, that's so easy. Da, 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 da. Uh, but they don't see the behind the scenes and... Uh, it's difficult at times. It's long days. When you when you're over sixteen, um, you can actually work a twelve hour day. That's that's an industry like license. Uh, so, you, as far as the industry is concerned, when you uh, reach sixteen, you pass your sixteenth birthday, you can work kind of like adult hours. And um, so, obviously, like the law would consider you an adult at eighteen, whereas in the acting world, you kind of more like an adult at 16 so that could mean you know it's age 16 where we're doing like 12 hour days um you know you know lots oh, of that sounds day. tiring <laughs> yeah it can be and, and then you have people go oh, well your job's so easy and you think well not really i don't think we have it the hardest you know the director the cameraman they've always got to be there whereas sometimes we get an early finish if we've not got any scenes for the afternoon mm. and things like that so i think I just think all jobs in the industry are difficult and I think you would never know unless you've done it, you know, how just just how long the days are, just how difficult the days are, just how long the shoots can be. We've we done 13 weeks, you know, that's three months and wow. a week away from, you know, your family, your friends, um, I mean, some some crew members literally move house, like they literally no move way. their house. Um, yeah, and move up to Manchester or move down to London or wherever they're filming for the, for the, the period of the, of the shoot. So it is difficult. You give a lot for your job, but you get a lot in return. You know, I, I've i never had a summer holiday. This is my first summer <laughs> holiday in seven years. Um, well, eight years, really, um, where I haven't been filming. So I've never had that summer like all my friends had. Uh, you know, and I suppose you do make these sacrifices, but the reward is so much greater. We just have the best time on set. And it, it is, it is, it is like, um, some days it feels like a job and other days it really doesn't. It, it, it really like it fluctuates. So I would say that the myth that acting is easy and it's so simple is not true because it, it does have its difficult elements. However, I think that myth comes from just yeah. how fun it looks and people think, oh, it's so fun, it just must be so easy. And that is true, it, it can be really, really fun at times. You need to get your, your work in. Um, so yeah, it all depends on the day. So, um, <laughs> this is the bit that I'm actually most excited about filming when I put the episode together. Um, 
Oh god, this is an equation. Sort of. So. <laughs> okay. Over these seven years you've been filming the show, Four O'Clock Club, not only is it known for its amazing characters, its diversity, its representation, but it's also known for its songs. Quite a lot of them. Yes. So, yes. what I've done, oh, the segment is called Finish the Line, by the way. Um, so. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> So, um, what I've done is I've sort of gone as far back as season three, and I've okay. picked up some of the lines of some of the songs um, that Alicia um, sings or performs or raps in the show. Oh my! I've tried. God. Pardon? I, just I was just gonna say the display that my memory is so bad. Please don't think that I don't care about my job or the raps or anything because. I do, but oh my goodness, it's really a challenge for me. Honestly. So, so, I, I realize, so I, I'm helping you out of it. So what I've done is, I'm going to give you okay. the episode and the season it's from and the name okay. of the episode. Um, and sometimes, actually, I'll try and also give you the circumstances around the song being sung. And oh, I'll give okay. you quite a substantial amount of the line or the lines before it. Right. Okay, this is great. This is like a good brain challenge for me. A brain yeah. All right, so first up is... Oh, this is a fun one. I think this is your first sort of solo -y. You sung the song with um, Fleur. Alicia and Fleur did this. This is um, season three, episode six, Choir. And this is sung... Yeah, oh, no, and this is sung that. when um, there is some confusion about Mr. Non-Letting Girls into the Boxing Club. All right, so the line is as follows. What, who says the girls can't box? We're female, we're used to fighting a lot. Fighting to be heard, fighting for respect. So logically and physically. Yes, that's next? it. <laughs> Perfect, word for word. Oh, I could never forget that word. <laughs> oh my God, that was like so spot on. Yeah. All right, so oh, next good. up, hopefully you're feeling, you're feeling charged. It was a good start, it was a good start. Right, so next okay, up, good, this good. is season four, episode nine. The episode is titled Bike. In this episode, um, Clem is skeptical about Alicia's magical abilities. Um, and for even more context, because I realize that this, this one might be a bit tricky, um, Alicia and Fleur purposely drops a coin on the ground and asks Clem to pick it up and that is sort of like Grace's magic side being proven true. Oh, I know this one. I think this is episode mobile. Oh, is it? Oh, I yes, it is. Sorry, I've messed it up. Yeah. It is mobile. Yeah, I don't. Okay. So my gift is real. It's the truth. The queen on the coin was definitely proof. I am probably magic like poof. Like the tooth fairy. Spot on again. <laughs> I'm guessing that you would record the songs separately from shooting. You wouldn't do them in real time. You'd probably links lip sync to a pre-recorded edited track. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. That's so how yeah. long and how hard is it to learn all of those lines and the songs and the raps? Oh my gosh, it is quite difficult. I think that is another um, huge part to our jobs actually that we kind of forget. We're not just like lines we're also you know turning to camera and suddenly rapping <laughs> out of nowhere so that is a huge part of the role as well like it uh, and the style of the hip-hop feel of the show that there are these you know raps that kind of interweave storylines and plots together I, I just love how it works um but uh yeah so it's kind of difficult you, you get the rap maybe sometimes a week sometimes two weeks before you come a to week? record it <laughs> oh my goodness I know, I know not long it can, it can be but it can be a lot longer it can be like months um in advance so we'd um 
like have a section of the day booked off um, to record with Mikus. He would come up from London. He's like the composer of the show and he um, writes all the music for the raps. He's just epic. He's he's like a, a genius, a musical genius. And we would go with him. And then the, the lyrics were written by Doc Brown and um, series one, two, I think about four or five. And then his brother actually, Luke, took over. And he's the, the lyricist now. He writes the raps. Um, and yeah, so we would just go uh, learn them, you know, as well as you can. You get like um, a pre-mix, which would have either Doc Brown or Luke rapping on it. So you you would learn it from that, really. Not just the words, you would just have to learn the beat, the uh, rhythm, everything. And then, um, yeah, we would go see Mikus, uh, record it. And then you could, well, anywhere between a day or a week or two later, then you were on set actually recording it. So yeah, they would play it in. Um, to wherever we were on a speaker and then we would lip sync yeah um yeah to that the sounds yeah. fun um so <laughs> <laughs> carrying on <laughs> season nine episode nine episode is titled kissing in this episode oh, my mind's just gone back um oh there it is this is the episode where i think is it polly um or is it polly's idea to get fleur and Alicia to teach Owen how to kiss. I think is that is that the is that it? Am I right? That's the gist. That's All right. Yeah, so, yeah. so Owen, Owen needs to learn how to kiss because Katie is um, has dropped the bombshell that he's a rubbish kisser. Uh, he can't kiss to save his life. Um, so he needs to, you know, perfect this kiss before his date. Right. <laughs> so the line is as follows: Kissing is a universal language. No need for words. We all understand it. Some kissing's just cheek to cheek a lot of peeps do it when they wait eat yes <laughs> you were scared of getting this wrong yes is that right are you not a single mistake oh, so far oh good i'm doing this right i'm so happy <laughs> i was worried that i'd embarrass myself and not know all right so this is <laughs> so this is season eight episode seven the episode is titled cake um, I think you'll get this one, so I think we'll just go straight to the line. I think you'll get this one. Okay. If you mark up your exams, retake them again. Spill ketchup on your school shirt. It's got oh, on. Friends? Yeah, it's right. Is that right? Oh, yes, I'm just trying to think what that rap Do you have the name oh, of it? I don't have oh. the name of it, actually. Um, it's with Nathan, isn't it? Well, well, in the show, he's called Mr. Boyd, but it's me. Um... Chloe and Nathan doing that rap. I did like that one. Um, oh, it's about if the first one yeah. succeed, I think it's called Try, Try, Try Again. Yeah, I remember that one. Oh, I love that rap. So, this was. This is from an episode that you've already mentioned, so I'm guessing you know what's coming up. Season 7, episode 12, Nana Murphy. You, this, I think you shared oh, this episode, this rap with Darnesh. Um, and Darnish is sort of talking yeah. about um, the possibility of posing nude for the school's art club. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is the same situation where um, it's trying to create this character of Nana Murphy who you have to go and sing all people's songs to. Okay. Yes. So, and I think you, this is a chorus. So, not the actual, this is a chorus. So, this is a song part. We're, mis- we're mixing it up a bit. So, the line is Naked okay. truth, the truth set free, in plain sight. Yep. See. Sorry, yep, there you go. Yes! Okay. See? <laughs> it's not as hard as I thought it was, mate. That was easy because it was a chorus, and we do the chorus so many times over. So that's the bit that always sticks. It's the verses that you can you can just forget. Okay, so this is, this is, this is... <laughs> oh, I'm so happy bringing this in. This oh. is the last one. Um, and I felt okay. like this, this is not an official rap or recorded song. But it's in an episode, and, I, and it's from Nana, Nana Murphy as well. And I just felt I'd be doing such a disservice if I didn't bring this up. And I find this absolutely hilarious. Oh, Do you know what's coming up? Is it the roll out the barrel, or is it a song, it's a song that you sing in the end? And I think you sing it in um, Mr. Bell's classroom. In the hospital. Okay. Oh. I can't repeat it without without laughing. Okay, just a quick question before we get into this. Did you make this up on the spot, or was this actually written in the script? Um, I think it's... Oh, 
Because this is hilarious. Because I have to get up and perform, don't I? I honestly can't remember now. I- I'm gonna say okay. script. I'm gonna say it was script tonight. And I just have to put a little tune yeah. to it, I think. Oh, Hitler is bad. He's a very <laughs> naughty man. Gonna <laughs> smack him round the head. With a tin Big of tin spam. of spam. Close, that's good. Big tin of spam. Like, it was just, it was just, it was so hilarious. Oh, I know. Oh, you know, the, that was definitely actually, and that was written down. And I had to give it a little tune. Oh, no, I can, I'm seeing the, the scene in my head now, and it's just making me, oh, laugh and cringe all at the same time. Honestly, like, it, it's it's so, it was so, and the thing is, it just felt so genuinely awkward. I think that's what made it even more funny. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And on the spot, you know, when your teacher makes you do something. What is like, this? Oh, no. Exactly. So, a few things that we do at the end of every episode. So the first one is the final question, um, which is always usually a bit of a okay. bit of advice. So the final question for this episode is, Grace, if if there's anyone, any young person who's considering um, getting involved with the arts or with theatre or child acting or you know trying something new or trying something daunting, what would be your one piece of advice for them? Uh, that is the perfect question because I honestly get asked so much in my DMs and I just, I'm still not 100% sure what all the rules are around it now with me being 18 um, and not currently working on the show but when we are on the show we're not allowed to respond to DMs it's awful because I get oh, no. really lovely lovely stuff I know and I just want to say thank you thank you thank you to anyone that's listening to this and has ever sent me a DM I've read it and I'm so grateful for all your messages questions anything I, I just love reading them and it's just awful not being able to respond it's like having you know tape around your mouth it's, it's just awful and I wish I could respond to everything um, but I do get asked this a lot so I would say uh, if you're really really passionate about acting you love it that this is what you want to do you've had your Veruca Salt moment I want this I would say get an agent. It really is as simple as that. Just speak to your parents, um, do some research. And, and that's what my mum did. She she spoke to my drama teacher at school. Um, this is like a, a Saturday school. I was still in primary school at the time. And she said, oh, you know, you just need to try and find her an agent and see, um, you know, if she gets any auditions for, you know, TV, uh, film, radio work, voiceover, just see what happens. It just opens those opportunities having someone there that's going to, you know, be sending you forward for auditions, putting you forward for jobs. Um, it, it just it just lifts you up that platform uh, to reaching more more people, more audiences, more casting directors. It just opens doors. So I would say, if you're really serious about this, get researching uh, agencies local to you in your local area. Um, maybe send a few clips off of you delivering a monologue or... or um, you know, a piece from a school production, send it off to them and, and kind of wait for a response. And, you know, if it doesn't work out with that one, try another one and, and keep going until you get your foot in that door. And I think having an agency or getting it, an agent is the, the perfect way to do that if you're really serious about taking it, you know, to the next level. That's, that's my Honestly, advice. what an amazing piece of advice. Like, that was just top tier. <laughs> what a, honestly, what a great response. So, um, something that we say at the end of every episode that we, um, I did this in season one, we're now doing it in season two, um, because I think it's so important is to have some form of conversation. Um, It's free, it doesn't cost you anything, it's the best way in which, you know, we can learn about the world um, around us and we can learn from other people and we can learn about their experiences, um, whether that's just having a um, chat with friends and family or starting a podcast or a YouTube channel. Um, I think it's important that for young people to understand and realize that your voice is important and your voice matters. And the best way you can go around implementing change in the real world is by having a real life conversation because that is always sort of the first step. 100%. It's so, so important to just, just speak. And I think you will have enjoyed today so much because we have just had a really nice raw conversation uh you know you asking me questions me answering them and and you know interview style but still a conversation and it's it is just eye-opening and and yeah it's great do you want me to you know give a topic yeah go for it 100 
Yeah, uh, I would say um, conversation at the minute that I think is really important to have. Uh, it's coming back to Black Lives Matter and things like that, but it's just about you know where do you want change mm. in society? Um, if you think about your dream world to live in and to you know have a family and bring your children to this world, what would you want? You know, uh, personally, I just hate and discrimination is really, really. Um, it, you know, it, it, ending that kind of thing is really important to me. So I think, I've, you know, recently having these open conversations about, you know, racism, xenophobia, homophobia, transphobia, all these awful things that, you know, are, are in place to put people down just for being themselves and their own identity, and, you know, to open minds and, and to educate people how, on how horrendous and awful that is. Um, hopefully inspires them to not do it or to stand up if they witness it being done and I think it's an important conversation to be had in schools in workplaces, everything if you witness any kind of hate report it, uh, raise it to a teacher, a manager uh, just have that conversation and, and, and make every kind of incident into a teachable moment when that horrendous thing happened to my friend um, it would have been really easy for me to just say oh, I'm sorry that happened and leave it there but I felt it was really important to put it on my Instagram and just to, you know, I don't have a huge platform at all but I have a slight platform uh, with young people and it was really important to just say if, you know, you ever witness anything like this, you ever experience anything like this make sure you report it, it is a hate crime and it, it should and will be dealt with seriously, so you know, I think it, it to, to bring about change we all have to be just more aware in society of those around us never be a you know a, a bystander in a situation of injustice always speak up always start a conversation i would say that's really important what do you think um, about all of that kind of thing um, just, <laughs> just to ask you a question um okay. so i have to agree with you there because i think what it is is that um for those of you who haven't please go and check out i'm gonna mess this up um episode nine speak up from season one please go and have a listen to that um because it, it like encompasses everything that you've like spoken about and i think something that we spoke about in that episode that sort of resonated with me um is that um regardless how small your platform is whether or not it's a few friends or you've got a large following on social media or it's just your family how you use that you, there is never an excuse to not use that platform to, to create change and to do some good in the world um and you know Definitely. I think something that's becoming becoming you know more important, especially we're seeing it with the Black Lives Matter movement, is that young people are beginning to take um, a stand when it comes to implementing change. And the only and the best way you can see um, change in the world is by getting involved. There's this quote that we said in episode five, which is not episode eight, which is complainers are people with enough effort to dream, but not enough effort to make those dreams come true. And if you honestly do see um, a problem or something that you want to change in the world the best thing you can do is by finding a way no matter how small it is to, to to be a catalyst for that change so that it begins rather than sitting off to the sidelines because obviously what you want to happen in the world as small as it is is a dream and the best thing to do with dreams is to bring them to fruition and to bring them into reality and into existence absolutely you hit the nail on the head there <laughs> It's so no, you're right. It's so important to actually do something, actually be proactive, um, and and I, I love that. Uh, um, complainers that are people right, with enough right. effort to dream, but not enough effort to make those dreams come true. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Can you send that to me or something? Because I, I want that. Like, I like want a big billboard on it or something. I just think that it really does like kind of just summarise what we just said. And it, it, it just kind of puts it and it's an really Ivan like, original really like, really like. <laughs> yeah really it's your your <laughs> impressive why, why does my brain not work like that why does my brain not think of inspirational quotes I mean you've been on children's television for seven years so <laughs> a quote for the career you have come on we're all good at different things um so just to summarize um 
again, if you haven't if you haven't followed Grace already on Instagram, please go ahead and do that. The handle is at Grace Macintosh One. Um, also, if you want to, please go ahead and check us out and give us a follow on Instagram at the underscore being underscore live underscore podcast for fun announcements about the season, um, more conversations, more behind the stuff, um, more behind the scenes stuff that you don't got, you guys don't necessarily. Um, get to see we just uploaded a sort of blooper video so you might as well go and check us out um and yeah this has been the being alive podcast a weird weekly podcast from even weird boy thank you so so much for tuning in with us this week um and hopefully see you again next week thank you guys so 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 much Bye bye